This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Morning Bulletin here on the Blood Red channel as we bring you your must-know stories from this morning's reports. I'm Guy Clark and on Wednesday the 16th of September, these are your top stories. Andy Robertson lifts the lid on Liverpool's title celebrations in new book. Lucky Liverpool myth debunked as Manchester United truth is revealed. Red youngster vying with Erling Haaland and Jadon Sancho for prestigious award. And which Real Madrid outcast could be the next to arrive in the Premier League? That's all to come here on the Morning Bulletin from Blood Red. Alongside me as ever is Matt Addison. And Matt, the Carabao Cup second round kicked off last night. And the biggest winners on the night, Lincoln City, beat Bradford 5-0. And they've got themselves the reward of welcoming Liverpool to Sinselbank next week. Yeah, absolutely. Next week, as you say, it's a, a very short turnaround this season in the, the Carabao Cup. And it's a, a big opportunity, I think, for several young players. We saw that behind closed doors, friendly take place at Anfield over the weekend with a few of Liverpool's fringe players, Takumi Minamino, Zed and Shakiri, players like that, who you know, didn't get minutes uh, in the Premier League against Leeds. So you'd imagine it'll be a similar sort of lineup for the game next week. And yeah, it should be a, a really interesting one. I think it's a, a big opportunity for certain players to stake a claim, really. I think someone like Minamino was really unfortunate not to get any minutes uh, on Saturday night. So I'm sure someone like him, if he doesn't, of course, play in the, the game against Chelsea over uh, on Sunday at Stamford Bridge, obviously that's then a big opportunity for him. So it's not the most of uh, important or, or prestigious of competitions for Liverpool this season, of course, but it's still a big opportunity, I think, for Jurgen Klopp to make the most of that fairly big squad that he's got this season. Yes, certainly is chance for that. Let's get into the morning's top stories then from a Reds perspective. And kicking us off today is Andy Robertson as we've a couple of excerpts from his new book into Liverpool's title winning season. The book due out for release on Thursday the 17th. So if you are listening on Wednesday morning, that's tomorrow that you can get your hands on that. And think many of us will be flicking straight to his reaction to becoming a Premier League winner. And what's he had to say on that, Matt? Yeah, some really interesting comments from Andy Robertson. I'm looking forward to, to reading this book, actually. I think he's a really interesting person to, to talk to whenever you see interviews with him. He's always very, very honest. And of course, with a, a book, you can go into a little bit more detail. That's the biggest thing that I've taken away, really, from this. The, the couple of bits that I'm going to pick out here, obviously, very, very small excerpts from that. But yeah, he sort of goes into two things, really. One, the, the the day that Liverpool won 4-0 against Crystal Palace at Anfield to put themselves two points away from the Premier League title. And then the the second bit, just on uh, the night that they actually won it, obviously Chelsea beating Manchester City uh, with that late penalty. So, yeah, both of, of those occasions, obviously Liverpool were, were celebrating together, obviously at Anfield after that 4-0 win. Andy Robertson sort of explains how you know, Liverpool's players were sort of going into to sort of some sort of caveman celebrations with uh, sort of primal screams and and that sort of thing inside the changing room because they knew you know how much of a big achievement this was and, and how close they were to getting that title over the line so it's a really sort of interesting uh, insight into what happened on that particular night it shows really how much it means and, and how much relief there was for Liverpool to to get it over the line obviously coronavirus had stopped uh, the league for a period there was you know two or three weeks really where you know, null and void was still on the table. There was still a, a possibility that that could take place. I mean, anyone who's watching the, the Tottenham documentary at the moment will have seen that sort of thing uh, taking place. And you see a, a little bit of a scene where Harry Kane's talking about how 
you know, Liverpool fans would be incredibly nervous at that at that stage. And I'm sure, you know, Liverpool's players and Jurgen Klopp were exactly the same because obviously health always came first. But Liverpool having got themselves into that position of, of being able to win the title, it would have been a, a massive disappointment for them not to have done that. So, yeah, they knew how close they were. And of course, just a few days later, as I said, Chelsea... Uh, beating Manchester City. They only actually had to draw, didn't they, for Liverpool to get that title done. And Andy Robertson says he was you know, pretty convinced. He had no doubt that that was the night that they were going to do it. He just felt that that was the right time for it. And obviously Liverpool's players together at uh, Formby Hall all celebrating as one. So, yeah, just in the, the sort of build-up to that, he says he put onto the, the players' WhatsApp group a picture of him wearing uh, a Chelsea shirt, uh, didn't uh, go down particularly well with the rest of the squad. They weren't particularly happy with that, but he soon got himself changed. It was actually a shirt from Billy Gilmore, obviously a, a teammate of his with Scotland. Uh, he'd obviously in the past, Billy Gilmore has explained how he's worn Andy Robertson's Liverpool shirt in uh, his back garden when he's been playing uh, just uh, amongst him and his friends. So yeah, a little bit of a, a role reversal there. And there's just so many fascinating bits of insight, not just that, but Things like Alison Becker was unable to watch the last 10 minutes of the match because he was so nervous. He says Jordan Henderson was getting a little bit annoyed with him because he was nervous as well. And, and Andy Robertson was very relaxed. He was sort of celebrating before the event had actually happened. So plenty of insight, plenty of, of detail from Andy Robertson. I'm sure you know it, it's not just worth checking out the, the pieces on our website. Um, they went up last night. So do check those out if you, you haven't seen them already, but it's going to be well worth checking out the, the full book from Andy Robertson as well. Yeah, I for one really can't wait for it. Robbo, now you're going to believe us on sale then Thursday the 17th of September from reachsportshop.com. You can get 25% off as well if you do head to reachsportshop.com. That is the hardback edition that's out as well as the ebook. The audio book will be coming soon. Next up for us this morning, after getting two penalties at the weekend against Leeds United, a few of the old lucky Liverpool claims have been going about, Matt. But to set that Right, our man Ian Doyle's looked into exactly what seems to be actually quite a low amount of penalties that the Reds tend to win, certainly in comparison to another team who play in red. Yeah, there was a few shouts of typical Liverpool, lucky Liverpool. Obviously, a particular radio presenter yesterday was sort of peddling that sort of rhetoric. And I suppose it's it's just one of those things that you do tend to get with the bigger clubs. It's obviously... Um, a lot of, of interest, a lot of talking points around Liverpool, but I don't think there's any doubt really in my mind that both of the penalties over the weekend um, were both stonewall penalty uh, penalty kicks. So, yeah, if you, you go into the numbers as, as Ian Doyle has, um, you do sort of bust that myth really. Liverpool are, are not lucky. It's not penalty pool. Uh, far from it. In fact, they should probably get more penalties considering the amount of times that they go into the penalty area and get themselves into certain positions. So, yeah, only 10 penalties in the last 60 Premier League games for Liverpool in that same period. Manchester United have had 18. So, clearly, they're far, far ahead of Liverpool in that regard. Liverpool make the most of those chances. They've scored each of their last 17 penalty kicks in a row. Plenty of them as well have been late winners against the likes of Tottenham and Leicester in recent times. So, I suppose that just adds to the myth, really. It makes them a little bit more memorable, if you like. So it sort of sticks in people's minds a little bit longer. So look, when Liverpool are, are scoring and playing well, I don't think Jurgen Klopp will care too much whether the goals come from the penalty spot or come from open play. I suppose you could argue there was 
a little bit of a concern against Leeds United that all of those goals came from set pieces. But at the same time, it's it's just one of those things. If if Liverpool can get themselves into those positions, if you know Salah and, and Mane and tricky players like that can you know weave themselves into the box, as we've seen with Manchester United, there's every chance that they can get a penalty kick, you know, fairly regularly. So, however the goals come, Liverpool won't care. I'm sure Liverpool fans will not be too concerned at all by this. And look, it's it's just one of those things. If a top team gets a penalty, people are gonna you know make accusations of, of bias and that sort of thing, but without any fans in the stadium. I really don't think you can sort of make that argument. There's no doubt that you know Michael Oliver was spot on and there's no doubt equally that he couldn't have been influenced by supporters or the Anfield crowd because obviously there was no fans inside the stadium for the game. So, yeah, it's it's just one of those things. I think the, the sort of penalty pool, Liverpool type accusations, they're absolutely not correct, but I suppose they are kind of easy talking point for, for rival fans to take a dig at Liverpool or certain presenters to, to maybe get a few more ears onto their radio show. Yeah, I seem to remember that rhetoric last season going around at the start of it of Liverpool. But anyway, we'll have to wait and see how that one does unfold. I'm sure it will all ebb away fairly soon. Anyway, still to come, Liverpool youngster nominated for a prestigious award alongside the likes of Haaland, Sancho and Alfonso Davis. And we have a rival roundup with one of the Premier League's former stars set for a return to these shores. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The annual European Golden Boy nominations list is out for this year. Then the 40-man shortlist. Plenty of talented names on there, such as Jaden Sancho, Erling Haaland and Alfonso Davis are all in contention for the award, as well as a certain Liverpool fullback, Matt. Yeah, Nico Williams has been nominated. The best young 40 players in Europe. Um, so plenty of familiar names on that list alongside Nico, Phil Foden. Ferran Torres, obviously, at Manchester City now. Mason Greenwood, Callum Hudson-Odoi. And then further afield at Borussia Dortmund, Jaden Sancho and Erling Haaland on there as well. So plenty of, of names on that list. Nico, I think, very much deserves to, to be on there, obviously, having break, uh, having broken through over the last 12 months or, or so at Liverpool. And plenty of, of names who've been missed out as well. I think Gabriel Martinelli at Arsenal is one that's caused a little bit of controversy. Obviously, a player that Jurgen Klopp has spoken about plenty of times in the past about how much he admires him. And yeah, I think he's uh, obviously a little bit unfortunate, Martinelli, to, to miss out. But at the same time, Nico Williams absolutely deserving of his place on the list. I think he's going to be, you know, a, a key player really for, for Liverpool, certainly a key squad player this season. I think he's going to be on plenty of, of team sheets as the, the season progresses, probably, uh, probably getting a start in the, the Carabao Cup, as we mentioned, uh, next week. So, yeah, he's uh, obviously stylistically quite similar to Trent Alexander-Arnold, and I don't think you can sort of un- understate the importance of that. I think, obviously, we've seen people like James Milner or, or Jordan Henderson slot in at right-back at, at times, and they've done an OK job, of course. They're very experienced. They know how to play the position, but they don't know how to play the position in the same way that, that a Jurgen Klopp right-back would. And I think Nico Williams has a, a big role to play this season whenever... Trent Alexander-Arnold is maybe injured or, or needs a rest or a bit of a, a rotation, obviously, with matches coming thick and fast. It's going to be hugely important for, for Liverpool to have someone who can, can slot in and do that job. And I've no doubt that Nico Williams has the ability to do that. Yeah, and another couple of names just to look out for on the list. 
Ozan Kabak, a player who's been linked with Liverpool, of course. Bukayo Saka, Martinelli's Arsenal teammates also on there. He's been linked too with a, a move to Liverpool in the past as well before signing a new contract at Arsenal. And funnily enough, Rafael Camacho, the former Liverpool man who, of course, did leave the club. He's also in contention for it. Last three winners have been Kylian Mbappe, Matthias De Ligt and João Felix. So, uh, yeah, one to uh, keep an eye on, certainly, whoever does come out with the award. Well, lastly, this morning, Morning. We're casting the net a bit wider with a rival roundup. And after leaving the Premier League for La Liga seven years ago, Gareth Bale, a name I know that brings shivers to many Reds fans, could be set for a return to Tottenham, Matt. Yeah, it's a really interesting transfer rumour, isn't it? Obviously, well, I think it's more than a rumour. I think Tottenham pretty much certainly are in talks with the player. I think his agent has said as much. And obviously, at the age of 31, he's still got a fair bit still to go in his career. But He's barely played. He's He's been injury-prone over the last couple of seasons. Not really uh, worked out for him at all. He's been happy to, to sit on the bench, very nearly moved to China. I think it would be a very strange deal, actually, for, for Tottenham to go for, um, particularly as they're apparently looking to include Deli Ali potentially uh, going to Real Madrid as part of this deal. So, yeah, I think there's, there's plenty still to be sorted out. Bail on £600,000 a week or so at Real Madrid. I don't think Tottenham are going to be able to pay anything like that sort of money. So, there's going to have to be some sort of compromise one way or the other on that. To be honest, I look at this and think, is it you know, a signing as much for commercial reasons as anything else that the sort of on-the-pitch impact that Bale can make at his best obviously is undoubted, but you know, how long has it been since he was at his best? It's been you know, a, a fair amount of time. Obviously, we know Liverpool know very, very well you know, how much quality Gareth Bale has got. We've seen that plenty of times over the years, but... Yeah, I'm not necessarily convinced that this is the the right deal to to go for. I think, you know, Gareth Bale obviously at his best, as I say, is is a world class footballer. But it strikes me very much as a a very short term, very Jose Mourinho type signing, and potentially it could work for Tottenham in the short term. But I do think it's a, a bit of a gamble, particularly at the moment when we talk about these sort of COVID nineteen times and and how much uh, difficulties there are financially within the market so yeah I think it would be a deal that Tottenham fans would get excited about I think a fair few Premier League fans would get excited about it as well but I'm just not completely convinced that it's the right one for them to go for. Yeah, it does seem a bit of an odd one. Certainly looking at Spurs at the weekend didn't look as though it was certainly Gareth Bale that would be missing from that Tottenham team. Of course, they are also heavily linked with the Real Madrid fullback Sergio Regulon, who uh, was also interesting Manchester United, but Spurs may have won out in that one. Before we go, though, today marks four years since Jordan Henderson's incredible goal at Stamford Bridge, which helped the Reds on their way to a 2-1 win over then Antonio Conte's Chelsea in what was, of course, Jurgen Klopp's first full season in charge and perhaps inspiration for Daniel Sturridge's effort a couple of years later at Stamford Bridge. Anyway, keep an eye across the Liverpool Echo throughout the day, in particular our daily transfer blog, which will round up all the top stories in one place for you. The link to our twice-daily newsletter is also in the description of the podcast. All it takes is your email address in exchange for our top LFC stories finding their way directly to your inbox. Also, do keep across Blood Red's podcast platforms wherever it is you get your audio on demand as well as our dedicated blood red youtube channel but from matt addison and myself guy clark thanks for joining us here for the morning bulletin that's all for now you've been listening to the blood red podcast from the liverpool echo